You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast brought to you by Acme Packing Company of SB Nation. I am Tyler Brooke, joined alongside Chris Burke after much deliberation with technology in which we were both struggling, but Chris, glad we were able to get you on. Uh, Yeah, uh, Bluetooth is a uh, very finicky thing as we're finding, and uh, trying to get things that are not Apple to work with Apple technology is, uh, ooh, that is a challenge. Um, It kind of felt like a caveman for a little bit there, but uh, yeah, we're up and rolling, so. I've never been a big tech guy. My little brother worked at Best Buy, so it was a little humbling, even like, you know, in college, having my little brother help me with things that I didn't fully understand. Uh, But, you know, all that matters is we're here now Um, recording a little bit earlier than usual, which is kind of nice. I just flew back in from Austin, Texas, watched uh, about half of the game on Sunday on my phone, which was, you know, a stressful experience when you're out and about and people are trying to talk to you. Um, but you know, we are here now, uh, let's, we want to record early. We just want to talk about this game, get it out of the way, move on to Los Angeles. Um, Chris, I think we can both agree that despite this game, you know, obviously ending in a loss for any neutral fans or even, uh, even personally, I did find this to be a extremely entertaining game. Yeah. Um, definitely a, barn burner as they like to say uh kind of kind of an emotional roller coaster when you know your team is involved in it but yeah it was definitely one of those games that uh kept you on the edge of the seat life you didn't have a rooting interest in this like if you're a fan of some random afc team that must have been a joy to watch but i aged horribly um trying to keep up on my phone yeah that is uh oh my gosh as far as games to not watch with your ass on the couch like this this is stinks, man. I was, I would have loved to just be by myself watching this one, freaking out. Um, yeah, just entertainment all around. Uh, we should probably start though, by talking about the defense uh, in a rare shootout, what feels like a rare shootout for the Packers this year. Uh, it was the first game in which the defense felt a bit exposed. Uh, that was kind of a bummer. Yeah. And you know what? I might have to take some take some of the blame for that. Cause I praised Joe Barry and something I wrote earlier last week. So um, that might be my bad, but uh, yeah, I felt like they were exposed a little bit, but I mean, it, you know, they're, they're so beat up. Um, so that doesn't really surprise me. Minnesota's got some legitimate weapons. Delvin cook and uh, Justin Jefferson are not, uh, not to be trifled with. There's, there's some talent there and you can't forget about Adam Thielen either. So there's definitely some, skill players there and uh, they, they found a way to pick on green Bay. So I'm going to actually be take the high road here and give them a tip of the hat. Yeah. Oh, wow. High road against the Vikings. That, that doesn't happen too often. I respect that. Uh, it, it's hard because they tend to take the ro- low road, you know, um, maybe we talked about this before this week, but it's just something about Vikings fans, man. I never have problem with bears fans, respect them. They are a miserable fan base, but you know, you understand why, right? 
the Minnesota fan base just sometimes seems to be mired in delusion, but you know, that's fine. We'll move past that. We'll take the high road there. Um, to your point about Joe Barry, though, I do want to still give him a little bit of credit. I do think, you know, you were without Rashawn Gary, who is now one of the NFL's leading uh, pass rushers in terms of pressures. Uh, he still put that team in the position to succeed, right? I think the biggest takeaway from this was just all the missed opportunities. Uh, it, it felt like there were, everyone can say about five, you know, potential takeaways that were just left on the table. Yeah, get somebody needs to get Darnell Savage some stickum or something because man, um, he had, he almost won. I mean, that if he, he would have been able to just hang on to that ball on that last interception, we're having probably a completely different conversation about that game, right? But uh, yeah, they they were in position to get takeaways. It's just the ball didn't bounce their way, and Minnesota had I think a lucky fumble recovery on a strip sack. So they they were, you know, the the defense was in position. It's just the ball didn't bounce their way. So I can't be overly critical about it but you know it's it is what it is there's got to be some kind of poetic justice to uh, the darnell savage getting essentially screwed by the des bryant catch rule right i mean i i had to point it out i just that was exactly what i was thinking as he was coming down and you know didn't complete the catch through the ground i was like where have i seen that before and i was like oh oh yeah that one okay that's fair um this definitely felt like a game where the secondary got exposed though you know, they've been holding up so well without Jair Alexander, uh, you know, obviously still praying that he can come back soon. But it was one of those games where, you know, they were going to put, you know, pick on a rookie, Kevin King and Rasul Douglas. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, the safety play, which has been so stellar all year, um, just really couldn't do them any favors, resulted in a lot of chunk plays uh, and a huge, huge game from Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he, you know, Eric Stokes has been playing above his experience level uh, most of the most of the season. So and also, I think he he did get hurt during the game. I I didn't see where he limped off because I watched a more condensed version of the game. But I think he he might have limped off at one point and came back in the game. So I'm not entirely positive if that might have had something to do with it. But Justin Jefferson is going to be a very good player for a very long time. Uh, I think we all knew that going into the draft when he fell to the Vikings, it was kind of like, oh. Not not where we wanted to see him go, but uh, yeah, they they definitely exposed him. And you know, Rasul Douglas too. You obviously had that hero play against the Cardinals, but we got to remember he was a practice squad player. This isn't uh, this isn't the second coming of Jair Alexander. So we just got to keep in mind exactly who they're playing with, and remember that some of them have been playing punching much above their level uh, for majority of the season. So a regression to the mean was bound to happen. I, I do have to give a shout out to Justin Jefferson, man. Loved him in college. Uh, it's it's even though he's playing for the Vikings, very cool to see him thriving. Uh, he actually has already tied uh, a Randy Moss franchise record for a hundred yard games in the first two seasons with, I believe it's 11 games. He just needs one more to break a Randy Moss record. And he has like seven, what, seven games left. Like, yep. damn dude. Like that, that's really impressive. Yeah, anytime you're up there with Randy Moss, that's uh, you're you're doing something right. And we all remember what he, Randy Moss did to the Packers when he broke into the league. So, uh, is what it is. The D, you know, obviously the secondary's got to get healthy. Alexander would have probably been on, almost certainly would have been on Jefferson instead of Stokes. But uh, you know, you got to play with who you got, and they uh, they handled they handled him uh, rather poorly. But 
you know, yeah. you got to give a tip of the hat sometimes to the to the opposition. It felt like the corners and even like Savage with that PI call, but it felt like they were really struggling to keep track of the deep ball. Uh, I don't know if it's something about that stadium because that's something that they've been doing pretty well, especially on deep shots. I mean, shoot against the Seahawks, you thrive as that being a huge part of their offense. They completely shut that down just a week ago. Um, only other note I had about the secondary they got to cut ties with Henry Black somehow. They're like that man ain't it. That, that touchdown at the goal line where he just, you know, completely allowed inside, you know, inside leverage to him. It was just, man, uh, he he's been showing up on film and not in a good way since San Francisco. And I just I don't know what's going on with Vernon Scott and why he's not getting playing time. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if they want to get you know other corners out there instead of a third safety, but. You know, something needs to change with that third safety role because I don't think Henry Black is it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I saw we saw earlier right before we recorded that Will Redmond got cut. I'm thinking, man, they're cutting the wrong safety, but I know Redmond's been hurt. But yeah, I think it's time to go practice squad hunting. You know, the Packers struck gold pretty much with Rasul Douglas. Maybe they'll get lucky again with the safety. So who knows? Yeah, the cap situation is starting to, you know, get more and more you know constrained by the week. But at some point, you got to start throwing a couple more darts just to see what happens. I mean, they've gotten some gems out of it. So I agree with you there. Um, you know, there are still some positives on the defense, you know, despite the secondary getting torched. Uh, Kenny Clark continues to be playing at an all pro level, in my opinion. Just another phenomenal showing. The first like two or three drives, it felt like every single play, the center was in Kirk Cousins' lap just immediately off the snap. Well, it's Kenny Clark destroy our worlds, right? It's nothing we don't, uh, nothing we haven't, nothing we haven't seen out of Kenny. But you know the fact that he's, you know that he's still he's getting a lot more attention paid to him, and he's still making plays like that is just uh, just phenomenal. A special talent, great pick by the late Ted Thompson. Uh, but just the way the way he can bull rush, you know, just just his, I I can't pin what he does well. He just does everything so well. You know, you try to pick, you know, there's that patented Reggie White move, you know, with Kenny Clark, he just, he just powers through you. There's nothing different than he does. He just does everything fundamentally so well. It is. I've watched so many nose tackles in my time when I scout college kids and what he does so well with that bull rush is he stays low. And that's such a cliche when coaches say low man wins, but when you're as big and thick and you got lower legs, like he does to win the leverage battle, it makes it so much easier for you to drive defenders back. And he just does it with such aggressiveness. Um, that's like coach's tape. Whenever you watch him bull rush, as far as how a nose tackle needs to be bull rushing interior offensive lineman, you know, you get out of your snap, you stay low, you keep your arms extended and you just drive through them. So it, I love watching it. I see too many kids in college that just stand straight up and they're like, why can't I generate any push? Watch Kenny Clark tape. You'll learn how to do that really fast. Uh, it just stinks that, you know, they had to waste such an impactful Kenny Clark game, you know, without Rashawn Gary, they really needed pass rush. And he just, he, him and Preston Smith really brought it. Yeah. Preston Smith, we thought, you know, with, uh, you know, with how thin they've been at that position, now they Preston Smith had to step up and he did, he responded two sacks. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Yeah. I don't still don't know if they're going to get Zadarius Smith back, but, Man, if the, just what when they get everybody healthy at the edge rusher position, it's going to be uh, they're still going to have a solid pass rush. Uh, something that's really interesting to me to point out as far as how you know 
it was a big concern. Like, are they going to be able to generate pressure against the Vikings? You know, they did still pressure Kirk on 46% of his dropbacks this week. A uh, big reason they were able to be so consistently successful pressuring him. They did blitz a lot more frequently this week, which makes sense. You know, Gary's not playing. You got to generate pass rush from somewhere. Uh, they blitzed him 14 times this week compared to only two on Russell Wilson the week before. Um, again, I think that's another credit to, again, the game plan didn't go how they wanted it as far as the end result. But Barry having a plan, blitzing, and still being able to generate pressure, you know, that is the reason there were so many opportunities for takeaways. Yeah, there's more than one way to pressure a quarterback, right? You can send it from the defensive line. You can send it from the edge. You can send a corner. You can send a safety. You know, there's a lot of different ways for them to do that. And with how thin they've been athletically and talent-wise, uh, I thought, you know, the, the easy way was to send Preston Smith. And uh, But, yeah, they, they still got pressure on Cousins. There's more than one way to – just get an unvaxxed cat. <laughs> I did appreciate the tweet I saw pregame. I think texting it over that they were like, loser has to get va- losing quarterback has to get vaccinated. Thought that was very funny. Uh, Would have definitely upped the stakes for those two guys. But, you know, I digress. Yeah, I shared, yeah, I shared, I shared that joke with my boss actually he was the Vikings fan and he, we, oh, we had a hearty laugh on that one. <laughs> so um, we, we, we all, we all know, we all know. Well, let's talk about the other non-vaccinated immunized quarterback and just go into the Packers offense. Um, This was the ideal like discussion of a tale of two halves. If you want to count the final drive of the first half into the second half, right? You know, just really ugly performance from Rogers Uh, most off rhythm. He's looked all season. In my opinion, you know, he was hesitating. He was missing open reads. And then there were just the useless taking the YOLO deep shots in that first half. I was convinced at one point it was going to be a route after how slow the offense got going. Yeah, it, it had that look when it was, when it got to 16 to three, I just immediately thought, you know, I'm like, here we go. It's a, cause you know, usually with, you know, with the exception of this game, a lot of times when, you know, under Matt LaFleur, when the Packers lose, they get boat raced. And that's kind of the way I thought this game was going to go, but second half more in rhythm on target, uh, you know, I was honestly ready to come in, you know, in my notes that I was generating my head going into today, I was kind of ready to rip Rogers a new one again about playing off, you know, playing hero ball and, you know, not, not, you know, when he starts playing under the Lafleur type style of tempo and with the system, he plays well, but I got to tell you, man, yesterday, I, I <laughs> as I put in our slack, I had a half skid of flooring fall on my uh, left foot. Um, which would be the foot you would plant into if you were a quarterback, you know, I'm right-handed like Rogers. And uh, let me tell you, it, it hurts. Uh, I don't know what exactly what's wrong with Rogers toe. He said it's worse than turf toe, but having walked around on it today, I think I can give him a little bit more of a pass as far as, you know, some of the deep balls maybe wasn't as accurate just with that toe. Cause he can't plan it successfully. So a little bit longer leash there, but uh yeah, the second half though, when he's in the pocket playing on rhythm, he's he's so much he's a much better quarterback. I wish there was a way to just say, you know, I guess when you're a quarterback of that stature who's played that long, you can't just tell him, you know, flush, flush what you learned before and just play strictly what Matt LaFleur wants you to run. He still wants to integrate some of that into his game, but when he plays like the in this traditional Shanahan LaFleur style, drop back, stay in the pocket, throw in rhythm, he's phenomenal. Just when the hero ball stuff comes up, it's it's garbage, to be blunt. What's funny is some of the hero ball stuff ended up working out in the second half, though, you know, 
But I do feel like all of that script completely flipped in that final drive of the first half, right? Um, you know, they did start running more in this rhythm of their own system. They started marching down the field. And then Rodgers hit his sworn enemy, Josiah DeGuara, for just a gorgeous touchdown rolling out to his left. Um, you know, shout out to DeGuara. This felt like quietly, like probably the best game of his career. Not only did he get his first touchdown as a pro, he also had a nasty pancake block on Everson Griffin at one point. It was just awesome to see. Yeah, not uh, when you when you pancake block Everson Griffin, you're doing something right. That was a phenomenal. I I had to make sure I had the, I had to make sure I was looking at the right player. I'm like, was that DeGuara? You know, one of those kind of like, whoa, that. You know, if you want to get out of Aaron Rodgers' doghouse performances like that is what it's going to take. Um, What's talk, funny talk, about that as well is talk, that in yeah. a press in a postgame presser last week, I believe it was Rodgers was talking about the reason he was so upset with DeGuara was the their ability to run off script, right? Like he basically DeGuara ran the wrong route based on what he was given Rodgers. And then just the poetic justice to come back the next week and score a touchdown on an off script play uh, was just beautiful. Loved that. Yeah, and if you're going to play with Aaron Rodgers, you got to be able to perform off script, right? So that, you know, the fact that they were able to get that to work shows, you know, that there's there's still hope for that tight end yet, uh, especially with Tanya not coming back until next season. So hopefully this is uh, the first step um, in an ascending uh, second half of the year for him. You know who else I thought played really well uh, was Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, I'm imagining Tex is going to be so pumped when he hears this, obviously. But, you know, only 54 total yards, but those only came on a handful of touches. Uh, a nice little reverse. Uh, you know, he had one basically like a bailout on a rollout, I think. They made a guy miss and took off for 20-something yards. Um, he really showed off his speed today. It was really cool to see. So, well, I guess he showed off his speed on Sunday. Uh, but it was really cool to see. Uh, I thought he had a phenomenal game. Yeah, the equanimous strikes back, right? You know, ESB. Uh, we've been kind of waiting to see that out of him for a while. Injuries played a role earlier, you know, first few years of his career. But Rogers still seems to really like him. And the fact that Matt LaFleur was able to dial some stuff up for him in a little different, non-traditional way, if you want to go with that. Uh, but yeah, phenomenal game, 54 yards, but they were, they were hard earned. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I, I still think just the fact that the deep ball was working consistently in that second half, just a, a huge sigh of relief. You know, that's what Rogers has been known for, for so much of his career uh, to see that finally come back this year. Uh, this game was just absolutely huge. Uh, the, the box score numbers obviously don't reflect the struggles of Rogers first half, but it's still cool to look at them. I mean, 385 yards and four touchdowns statistically Rogers best game of the year. MVS and Adams combined for 238 yards and three touchdowns um, just explosive plays all over the place. Uh, it was kind of nice to see. I'm not going to lie. I, I, as far as like, you know, things to look forward to moving forward, if the explosive plays are making a comeback, uh, that's huge for the entire team. Yeah. You know, to kind of amend what I said earlier, it's not that I absolutely despise any attempted at hero ball, but you got to use them in the right situations. You know, if you, if you're hammering it so much, I'm glad in hindsight, it, it worked when they went back to it, but you know, I'm still not a fan of the, you know, they keep trying to force it. And if it's not there, don't take it, try something else. And maybe they changed up, a, maybe they changed up a protection scheme or something they gave, or they did some type of an adjustment. I'm not entirely sure to get MVS open on that last touchdown, but uh, yeah, I when it clicks, it's work. It's just, you got to be careful on how you use it. Cause it sometimes feels like, you know, we've talked about this with Rogers so often is that he's pulling onto the ball, patting it, patting it, waiting for something big to develop. And it's like, dude, just take what's in front of you. 
but uh, it worked out. So no complaints there, but. Yeah, that, that last MVS touchdown is worth pointing out just because, you know, the reason that was so successful, right? Two minute drill. Uh, it's one play before the two minute warning. They think you're either going to run it or get a quick chunk play. So uh, they have a deep in for at Devonte Adams and Harrison Smith thinking this is the situation broke down on it, broke his cover two assignment. And I think that's what they knew was going to happen. So as Harrison Smith broke towards Adam, they had MVS fly over the top, just a perfect ball, huge touchdown uh, did leave too much time on the clock, but you know, it was either go to overtime and then, chair tie the game and a chance to go uh, into overtime or tie the game and then try and get the ball back so you know hard you can absolutely cannot complain when you know that's such a huge play but unfortunately there just wasn't enough left in the tank uh, anything else you want to talk about on offense before we get into the the sad stuff not not really i i, I like being sad <laughs> um but no just you know the only other thing on the offense really is um you know just seeing MVS play that way. That's why he's still there. You know, he was injured. You know, that's why he's such a vital part of what they do. Um, but we'll get more into that later on, but really that's as far as the offense goes, I'd like, to, you know, hopefully, hopefully what they did on the second half versus the first shows on tape and it'll be Matt LaFleur and the staff will be like, okay, you know, this is what we did. Okay. Going forward. This is the way to go. Cause they're going to have a heck of a challenge next week. So hopefully that, uh, Hopefully that's what we see uh, on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be exciting regardless. I think that's just the right mentality to go into that. Win or lose, it should be an exciting game. But before we go into our regular segments, uh, we got to talk about special teams again, unfortunately. I hate that we have to keep doing this. It's making me so sad. Uh, we missed another field goal, right? That was well, that was within 40 yards, right? How long was that missed, ex- or missed field goal? Uh, it was we it of a chip shot. It was I think it was within 40 yards. You're right. I mean, he knew. What gets me is that he makes a 54 yarder before and then doinks a chip shot. Um, I don't know. I think the, the bell, I think needs to start tolling for Mason Crosby. The dude's a legend, great guy, great player, been a great leader in the locker room, but sometimes it's time. And I usually a kicker change mid season. Matt LaFleur today said, no, we're sticking with Mason Crosby. You know, you don't want to change a kicker in the middle of the season, especially if, you know, somebody's available that's not used to kicking in frigid temperatures. But I, I think it's a near certainty there's going to be a competition in training camp, wouldn't you think? Yeah, the thing I'm struggling with in my entire life as a football fan, uh, and just I did not start following football until I was in about fourth grade. You know, I was a late adopter to sports. Uh, in my entire lifetime as a football fan, I have known two kickers on the Green Bay Packers, Ryan Longwell and Mason Crosby. This, this is uncharted territory for me if we get into a third one. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if you draft a guy. I don't know what you do. I'm a little anxious about it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the, the kicker, um, the kicker Olympics. So for me, it's Longwell, Crosby, and uh, Chris Jackie. There was a year that they had uh, between Longwell and Jackie, they had Brett Conway, who I think was actually on the team that played in the Super Bowl against Denver. But I think Longwell came in at some point that year. I don't remember, but. I remember Brett Conway was in there at some point, but yeah, it's really only been three kickers and I, you know, I'm 38 and those are the only three that I really remember. So uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to see how they find somebody to challenge him. I, I always forget you're 38, Chris. Are you, are you looking forward to, I know like you're probably not looking forward to turning 40, but at the same time, when you turn 40, how many times are you just going to scream? I'm a man, I'm 40. You got to start doing that. 
Oh, that's yeah. You know, when when that time hits, you know that's going to be full. Of, that's our Slack channel is going to be full of that joke. Um, but you know, it's 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 always weird because you know the weird thing is I'm only about two and a half months young, older than Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, that's the sad thing about getting close to forty is you know the time's coming for him. But uh, yeah, it, I definitely. I'm a man. I'm forty. You know, that's and right. The jokes write themselves. That's on brand for you too. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to stay on the Slack channel for as long as I live, even if they fire me, I hope they let me stay in the chat. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and take a quick break uh, and we'll get into our regular occurring segments. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris, we are back. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's start with the gold zone updates. Um, you know, we did boost the red zone stats a little bit. Packers went two for three uh, in the red zone. Um, you know, obviously they've been hovering around 55% for the year, so it does go up slightly. To me, it's just kind of crazy with scoring 31 points that you were only in the red zone three times. Yeah, the arithmetic doesn't really add up there, normally does it, but I guess that just shows you how long the uh... – deep passing game and the, the explosive plays were coming into a factor. Right. But, uh, improve when the numbers are improving, that keeps, that keeps our podcast name in business, you know, for at least hopefully another year, if they can keep climbing the rankings, but, uh, yeah, they, 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 that definitely was a much improved, uh, performance. Yeah. It, um, you know, unfortunately still only in 24th in the league in touchdown percent, uh, you know, seasons on the t- second half now. So, you know, Maybe they can regress the mean and really just bump those numbers up, uh, kind of get back to 2020. Like we said a little bit earlier, you know, if the offense, you know, found a lot of stuff they liked from that second half of Minnesota, I think there is a chance where they can really start bumping that number up, scoring some more touchdowns. Uh, only other note as far as that, the defense did technically get another red zone stop. They did go three of four, uh, a much harder time defending the Vikings inside the 20 yard line. Uh, the one that's the one that's frustrating was that Darnell Savage did actually have an interception, uh, but it was negated on a Kingsley Kiki roughing the passer. And I know people are upset that it's kind of a soft call, but it's the rules. And come on, Kiki, like you got to know better than that. You got to lower your strike zone. Yeah, yeah, it's you know I I had this discussion with somebody with somebody else, and I mean at this point with the way the roughing the passer penalty is, is it a stupid rule? Yes. But at that point, you know, as a defender, you got to know the rules by now. You know, you got to pull. If you think there's even a 1% chance that you're going to hit the quarterback, you got to pull up. Uh, it's there's there's really no other reason for that. I mean, you can debate the rules you're blue in the face. It is what it is. You know, they're going to call it now. So, yeah, I would have liked to see Kiki uh, definitely pull up a little bit. 
Yeah, uh, just weird all around. It is funny to me that the Packers, after you know giving up a touchdown on 100% of red zone drives, have gotten you know a stop or multiple stops, I think, every week since uh, the Washington football game. Um, so, you know, I think the defense is really coming along. We'll see, you know, if Gary can come back, Jair, Darius, all of them. Uh, but worth monitoring. Not much else on the gold zone front. Uh, as far as positives, panning for gold, I I was thinking about talking about players. I was thinking about talking about coaches. Uh, the one thing I kept going back to was what might quite possibly be the sexiest play call I've seen from the Packers all year. On third and one, Rodgers hands the ball off to Randall Cobb. Looks like it's going to go absolutely nowhere. Instead, it turns into a speed option. Uh, gives it to Dylan for a nice little gain, converts the chains. Uh, I loved that. I want to see more wrinkle plays like that. When you get the ball in Cobb's hands as like a quarterback, runner, uh, able to pitch the ball off. Uh, that's one of the coolest plays I've seen in LaFleur's system, I think, since he's gotten there. Yeah, you know, if we're going to stick with the Austin Powers theme of this thing, I mean, that 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 made me horny, baby. That uh, that was unbelievable. I I saw, you know, I was unfortunately I was stuck at work, but uh, I saw the uh, I saw the tweets on there, and I had to I had to pull up the play on my phone. I was like, wow, that. Uh, that that got me to sit up a little bit, so to speak. But I mean, I mean that that's the Lafleur reaching into his bag of tricks is some of the most beautiful things you can see. Um, and if they have, I wouldn't even call that a gimmick. That was just a brilliant play design. So I were they going to let you know? I want to see Randall Cobb throw it downfield. We he played quarterback at Kentucky, and just once before Cobb's done in Green Bay. Again, I just want to see him throw one pass, like an actual legit forward pass. Has he? I, I honestly cannot remember. He he has thrown a pass as a Green Bay Packer. Oh boy! You know if I if he did, I want to say it was earlier in his career, possibly when he was a rookie. But I'm looking at that. Would have I gotta involved, know. I gotta know. That would have involved. That would have involved Mike McCarthy having the wherewithal to do something that creative. And <laughs> even even at that, you know, as good as that 2011 offense was in 2012, I still don't think he had the wherewithal to attempt something like that. But Right, I want to say he might have thrown a, I want to say he threw a pass in Dallas, maybe, but I don't think he's thrown a pass as a Packer, but maybe I'm about to be proven wrong. He has thrown two pass attempts as a Packer, four in his career. Uh, he is in his career, one for four for 10 yards. <laughs> what? When did he throw that first attempt? 2011, and then he threw another in 2017. Yeah. Oh, so he's actually, well, that didn't count. That's right. That was a pitch that didn't count as a throw. Um, so really, he did throw one. Okay, well, interesting. Let him heave one. Do a do a what is who was the guy? Was it Edelman on the Patriots that they used to throw the swing passes mm-hmm. to, and he'd launch them? Yeah, why not? They got speed on the outside too. I mean, throw one to MVS just for the. Ooh, I have a conspiracy theory now. We were getting way off subject, but I have a conspiracy theory. Maybe the maybe Aaron Rodgers doesn't want another player getting a passing touchdown. Just doesn't want his thunder stolen. Oh, oh, um, I kind of would love to see, wouldn't you love to see Randall Cobb throw a touchdown to Aaron Rodgers? You have his Nick Foles moment. I mean, I think that would be kind of wildly entertaining, but if Rodgers is hurt, I don't see them. I don't see LaFleur even attempting that. No, that's the perfect, that's the perfect time to do it. No one's expecting it. You got to do it now. I kind of like this. I'm talking myself into it now. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah. Let's find a way to get Aaron Rodgers a receiving touchdown just for the lulls. Oh, I mean, just uh, <laughs> the jokes would be, oh, my word. I think there there would be a belt in that moment. There's no doubt in my mind there would be a – he'd work a belt into that. 
Okay. Uh, something to keep up. We're going to be on Rod Rogers uh, reception touchdown watch moving forward. I'm very interested. Wow. Okay. Not something I thought I was thinking about going into this, but I'm, I'm getting kind of excited thinking about it. Um, <laughs> we got way off topic though, Chris completely forgot. What was your, what was your positive takeaway from the game? I'm going to go with MVS. Um, if anybody who's talked to me on social or on the site for a while knows I love it when a player proves fans wrong. MVS has been dogged by so many people for so long uh, with the drops and everything. And just when he's healthy, he's, he's such a vital part of the offense. And to see him finally convert on a big pass to Rodgers, or from Rodgers, excuse me, he, it, it's just phenomenal to see. Uh, great, great guy uh, by all accounts. Very interactive with fans on Twitter and probably has the two cutest dogs on Instagram. Um, Ace and Spade, brilliant names, by the way. Um, if MVS is listening, big fans of your dogs. Um, but just a phenomenal, uh, just it shows you what a deep, a legitimate deep threat this offense can do. And, you know, if he's actually fully healthy now, let's roll. You know, that might be, that might be what they need to start getting the explosive plays going again. I don't know, man. I don't know how you can live with MVS, you know. If we, if, uh, if that, if any, if I ever say that on a podcast, please cancel me. Just, just end, end it. Put me down. I mean, find a way to shoot me through the microphone, but just end it. <laughs> I still couldn't believe someone asked Matt Lafleur that last year in a press conference. Just like, I mean, he's a player that everyone loves, and he's on our team. Pretty sure I can live with yeah. him. Yeah, a professional journalist asked that question. I mean, I, that that should have been credential revoked at that point. But I mean, I can live with MVS. I love MVS. Um, so I think they're just fine with him. So. Yeah. Um, I hope, I, I hope, um, you know, it's a Turkey. I hope that Turkey's having crow for Thanksgiving. Let's, let's make it a full analogy. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get into some bad news too. Now, um, unfortunately the worst fears for Elton Jenkins did come true. Uh, the initial diagnosis did confirm that Elton Jenkins did tear his ACL. There is a pending MRI, but for anyone that knows, you know, if you are diagnosed with an ACL tear uh, in real time, uh, it's extremely reliable. It's just they have experience with this. They know what to look for. It was a non-contact injury, all of that. Total gut punch, you know, even with Bakhtiari returning at some point, um, just, you know, it means that Royce Newman has to stay out there and he's been struggling. And obviously you're losing, you know, probably arguably your second best offensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> What else can we say about that except oof? Um, you know, losing Jenkins, you, you know, Myers is still out. And now Jenkins is out, and God knows when Bakhtiar is going to be back. Matt LaFleur said today he's out against the Rams, so it's at least going to be after the bye. Um, but losing three fifths of your offensive line, we going your preferred offensive line is awful. Um, if they can, if they can keep Rodgers upright, you know, I know he's dealing with a toe, but if they can, if they're able to stop Aaron Donald and that defense next week with what's going to amount to popsicle sticks and duct tape. Adam Stenovich should be like coordinator of the year right then and there for that one game. Uh, Cause Aaron Donald does not, you, it's really hard to contain him. They would have had a challenge if they were healthy uh, with this, with this group. <laughs> Godspeed Aaron Rodgers. Godspeed. It is amazing that this group, the same group pretty much held up against San Francisco. Um, but I agree with you. I I already think that Stenovich is going to get a job somewhere as an offense coordinator or something after the season. You know, the work he's done the entire year is just absolutely incredible. Uh, I will say this. It's going to stink. But, you know, Yash has stepped up when asked. 
and I always root for the guy. So uh, we'll see if he can keep, keep it going. Uh, fingers crossed there. Um, but yeah, as you said, Bakhtiari expected to be out until at least after the bye week. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I get that it's an ACL. It's going to be a full year basically by the time he's back. Uh, I, with how much they've invested into him, I don't mind them being overly cautious, but from going to being at practice to just like no longer even showing up for it, it, that's where I feel like something happened. They keep being adamant that it's not a setback, but it feels a lot like a setback. Yeah. I mean, not, not a, definitely not a full, he didn't re-tear the ACL, but something clearly happened with Bakhtiari. Um, just a, the, the luck is, I don't know who's got the voodoo tall, but knock it off um enough already this is just if they if, if they i don't I don't know what else to do um do they need to get um do they need to get like a witch doctor in there i don't know what else to do but yeah, yeah it's 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 terrible i was thinking about hosting a wiccan witchcraft ritual like at my apartment so if there's any packers fans in the indianapolis area they just want to come we can brew some potions. We can cackle. I do. Oh, I literally have a black cat. So we got that going for us. Uh, yeah. We'll just start a little witchcraft ritual. Try and stop the Packers from getting injured. Uh, so yeah, pit me up. I'll let you know the address. We'll schedule it. It'll be great. Uh, hey, it's only weird if it doesn't work. Could you imagine actually hosting that and it not working? That would be pretty unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got, I've got an open yard next to your right. Is, is there anything involved setting stuff on fire that helps? Because, you know, Ooh, that, there we go. That, that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing or not, but we can all dance around like, a fire. I think that's pretty much, that's how a lot of people in oh, uh, Salem got in trouble, right? Just girls dancing around a fire. Anyway, uh, you know, it's like, the Simpsons, it's like, yeah, it's like from the Simpsons clip um, from what I can't remember which episode. Now who's laughing? Now who's laughing? <laughs> I want to say it was an old Christmas episode. I'm not positive, but yeah. All right. We're going to sit. All right. Cool. It's decided we're going to, you know, just move to witchcraft. That seems like the only option, the only logical choice at this point. Um, only other minor news we talked about a little bit, but yeah, Packers did cut safety. Will Redmond, he was a key special teamer last year. Um, I forgot he was on the team. I'm assuming this is injury related. He was on IR with a toe issue. Um, just stinks, man. It was, I was really hoping that we'd get, you know, that's a real legitimate candidate to replace Henry black. Uh, just seems like he's not healthy. Yeah, that's I would I completely forgot about Will Redmond. I'm like, well, that, when I saw that news alert, I'm like, well, that would have been a great replacement for Henry Black. But um, I'm going to throw a name out there as a potential area for that. What about Haha Clinton Dix? Joke. Oh, please, that was a joke. Oh gosh, I thought I was, honestly was, thought you were dead. Part, part of the pun, but that was a joke. No, 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 no. no. Um, before Justice Text, I'm kidding. Do not sack me. I'm, that was a joke. I was like, it was it was a, it was a haha joke, but not a funny haha joke. Anyway, I do have a fun story about Clint Dix. Uh, when I was draft scouting back at Bleach War, early in my sports writing days, I very much enjoyed him at Alabama. So I was very excited when he got drafted by the Packers. I shotgunned a, a beer because I was in college, and that seemed like the appropriate way to celebrate. Uh, I got to yeah, tell him. About... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I actually got to tell him that story in person. I was very happy about that. <laughs> very cool guy. But you know that was, oh, was one great. of those years there. I think it was it was it was that year and that year they drafted Dayton Jones, where like every mock draft had ha ha going to the Packers and Dayton Jones going to the Packers, and it actually happened. I think that's the only time I've ever seen like every mock draft be on the absolute money about who the Packers were taking in the Ted Thompson era. So I don't know why I remember that. 
Yeah, well, uh, we'll see if they address that situation. Maybe Vernon Scott gets some more playing time, but to be determined. Uh, one last thing before we go. We did want to leave the show on a more uh, serious note. Uh, for those listening, you know, there was an incident in Waukesha um, involving a parade and a driver driving through the parade. Um, Chris, uh, you know, I know we have a lot of people in the Acme Company community with ties to the city. Uh, I just wanted to give you some time to talk about it and then wanted to plug uh, a place where you can, you know, make some donations. Yeah, so obviously that was, you know, nothing puts a, a football game in perspective like something like that. Um, it's really in, in hindsight, in the grand scheme of things, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trivial matter, um, you know, seeing something like that grounds you in a way that um, realizes how precious our time on this earth is. And just, you know, make sure every day you tell people in your life that you care about, that you love them because uh, things can change in a hurry and they can change for no reason at all like this. Um, obviously the investigation is still ongoing, but um, on behalf of myself and I think the entire Acme Packing Company staff, I uh, want to send our thoughts and prayers to everybody in Waukesha uh, affected by the, really the entire community. Uh, just, it's the Christmas season, time to be together and celebrate family, and it turned into a nightmare. Um, so my heart just breaks uh, for everybody there. If you do want to help make a difference or, you know, with everyone affected, uh, go to WaukeshaFoundation.org. Waukesha is W-A-U-K-E-S-H-A. Uh, that's WaukeshaFoundation.org. At the top of their page currently, they are, you know, linking to their Donate Now page. Um, so if you, you know, just want to help in some way. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've got also, um, if anybody out there is near the area nearby, the Red Cross is also accepting, um, they do need blood donations. I did see that yesterday as well. Um, hospital beds right now are kind of tricky because, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, obviously. Um, the children's hospital especially could use, the, um, down there could also use some support. So just a horrible, horrible thing, but it really puts, and it puts things in perspective, but just utterly tragic uh, for this time of year. Stay safe, everyone. Um, there will be more football, but for now, we just want to leave you with that. Um, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, everyone, enjoy your time with your loved ones. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week.